Okay, and welcome to another episode of Stevenson's Mind. This one I've entitled, Friends are Flowers in the Garden of Life. I'll repeat that one. Friends are flowers in the garden of life. I think I saw this quote in someone's fridge magnet many, many years ago. And I just quickly glanced at it and I thought to myself, wow, that's true. That actually makes sense. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, meaning you can take from, from that one statement. Friends are flowers in the garden of life. And it's very true in the sense that if you think of friendship um, as being a garden that you have to tend to and nurture, just like you would with a, a regular garden, because you know plants have needs, they are life forms that they do give you something, but in return for that, there is a, a maintenance that you have to do. And if you sort of think of the relationship of friendship in the same way, then I think you'll have a much larger success ratio at not only keeping friends, but uh, growing together with friends and evolving with friends. And Because I find too often, and myself included, uh, we, we, take granted, uh, we take for granted the relationship of friendships. We seem to make friends, uh, you know, when we're in the early stages of school, kindergarten, you know, sometimes as early as daycare, um, elementary school, high school. And, you know, we do keep some friends from there. A lot of friends are made during college or, you know, when you first get into the workforce, you might share, you know, common interest in certain things. And, you know, you become friends from, you know, being on the front line in certain situations and sharing experiences in those situations. And the friendship grows from there. You go out, you go for food, you go for drinks, you go to clubs, you do things, you play games, you go for movies, etc. You go for trips and the friendship grows, the things you do grows. And when you you sort of you're in the the momentum of friendship, you don't really stop and think about nurturing it. It's just sort of you know you take it for granted. You're having a good time, and that's all it is. You see it for a good time. You see it for therapy. It is you know sometimes the the Tylenol that you need for your life headache, as you know some people might call it. And I think that if you sort of slow things down, take a moment to think about yourself, about the other person, you'll have a much better chance of uh, achieving success with the relationship of friendships. And, you know, this is, you know, not always the case with some friends that we have. We're just, you know, we're friends organically and it stays that way. And, you know, it goes on throughout life that way. And people really don't have to think about this. But for, you know, those people out there, including myself, who sometimes have had, you know, that slight turbulence with, with friendship, I really want to get into this because I think it's important because I've seen, and again, myself included, and with other people, I've seen too often relationships stop, uh, you know, they're broken, they're ended, uh, just for a very fickle reason. And if you, you know, sort of rewound the tape and went back and, you know, tried to find out the, the reason that caused the turbulence, and you maybe talked about it, and, you know, someone sort of took the step back or, you know, was the bigger person and, you know, tried to make the, the adjustment that it required, as all relationships do require, you know, those ongoing adjustments that the, the friendship would have had a chance for success. Um, so, you know, there's different sort of perceptions of this. There's different uh, uh, variables in terms of, you know, what you can do to be a good friend, uh, the understanding that you need. And I think, if, again, if you really slow this down and if uh, you take your time with this, and, you know, apply it to all the people that you consider friends in your life, um, you'll have a much better chance of uh, achieving success with that. Uh, just last night, I mean, I was out with uh, three other friends of mine that I hadn't seen in a long time. 
and we're going to uh, someone's um, farewell party. And, you know, we just decided to uh, stop for coffee. One of the friends, you know, he got a gift card for Christmas and he decided to treat us all to coffee because we were uh, driving down, um, you know, to the other friend's place. And, uh, you know, we were just talking about coffee. Uh, you know, who's got the best coffee? Is it Timmy's or Starbucks or, or McDonald's? Or is it, you know, Aroma? Or is it, the, you know, the mom and pop's place, like the small little bakeries? Or, you know, is it the, the espresso-based, you know, coffees that, that are good? You know, someone said, you know what? I really don't drink uh, too much coffee in, in the way of just straight filtered coffee. You know, I prefer... Um, the espresso-based coffee, like cappuccinos, lattes. And, you know, I find that uh, the regular filter-based coffees may be a bit too bitter for me or, you know, tastes like motor oil with, you know, some of the places that were serving it. And, you know, they said, you know what, I prefer having the espresso-based coffee. And I thought it was really cool that, you know, we were discussing, you know, the different coffees and no one really sort of tried to make their point, the centralized point. Uh, no one tried to change anyone else's opinion or, you know, impression of coffee. You know, people are fixed in their habits. They have their ways. And, you know, too often I find your way sometimes should be the right way. And, you know, if it's not, you try to change someone else's opinion. And then you get into a fight over that. And this is really cool because we are sharing our experience on coffee, you know, our different perceptions on coffee, uh, the beans, you know, the water use, how it's brewed. And, you know, again, the different types, the different businesses out there that are serving coffee and it was really cool because you know we understood each other's point of view and you know we might have learned something about you know maybe a new type of coffee or what not to drink in coffee and i mean i think we actually grew from that conversation there was a mutual respect everyone was humble there was no you know putting the ego forward i think that sort of um, understanding if that starts as the foundation for friendship um, you know, just like a garden, if um, if you do the right things, you know, there's certain things you do to nurture the relationship, um, you will have a success with uh, with friendship. Um, you know, on the internet, there's a couple of sites. They talk about uh, Aristotle's, um, his, um, his, uh, his sentences, his ideas, his reading, uh, his basically his insights into friendship. And I'll just pull this up here. Uh, they've uh, they've brought it down to three uh, categories, and I'll just uh, go through this. So he 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 sort of figured there were three types of uh, friendships. The first was a friendship of utility. So you know this can happen. This is a relationship between you and someone who is useful to you in some way. They might provide a service. Um, you know, if you're moving, they'll come help you move, or. If, um, you know, if you're uh, not a computer person and they are, they might come help you fix your computer every time it sits down. Um, you know, if you're going on vacation, they might want you to, you know, tend to the house while you're away. So this sort of friendship, you know, it exists. It, it's between, you know, these two people. And it's very uh, utility-based, which means, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch your back. We do things for each other, and that's the foundation of the, the friendship. It, it leverages off that sort of understanding of, of doing things for each other, utility-based. Uh, the second one is uh, friendships of pleasure. So, you know, this is just the relationships that exist purely for personal enjoyment. Someone, you know, sort of gives you a good vibe. You give that person a good vibe. And you enjoy going for activities where, you know, you share in that, that same vibe as well. You know, you might not get into any serious discussion. You might not... Uh, delve into you know too personal what is going on you know in someone's life 
So you'll keep it sort of entertainment based. Uh, the third one is, you know, he figures uh, friendships of the good. So this is based on just, you know, having respect for each other, having uh, admiration for each other. Um, you know, you have uh, similar values, uh, similar views on, you know, how you see the world. Um, you know, you share in similar maybe debates. Um, and, you know, these are just sort of like good values, friendship based. It's not utilitarian. Um, it's not fully just, you know, based on pleasure. It's, it's based on understanding of what your values are for your life goals. And, you know, you go through different stages in life like that. I mean, I personally think if um, if these are the three sort of categories he separated it into, you know, a good friendship would encompass all three of these things, right? And a good friendship organically wouldn't have these three sort of categories um, sort of on a checklist. It would be organic, right? Like things would just happen naturally. Like you've got a, a good friend. If, you know, you happen to move something, hey, you want to come help me move this? Yeah. And while moving... You know, you're enjoying each other's company. And then, you know, you're talking about life and, you know, what's happening at work or with the family, etc. And you're encompassing all three of these these attributes. So I think that's, that's something that's good to have. Um, if we really want to nurture friendship, I remember way back reading a book. I believe it was called The Five Love Languages. Let me just pull it up here. Uh, here it is. So Five Love five love languages sorry and this one is by gary chapman now i won't get into um too much detail with this you can find it on the internet once again it's called the five love languages but uh, what i really like about this is again uh you know and this is not anyone's fault it's just how life is when you get into a relationship you sort of get into the momentum of the relationship you become inside the relationship and I always think it's good and this is with anything whether it's with work or with relationship or if you're a musician you're playing on stage always try and step outside of yourself and sort of try to get the bird's eye view as to what's going on don't be in the the driver's seat always sometimes be in the passenger seat and sometimes be outside the car just to see where you're heading because then you can see uh, the different variables that, you know, can sometimes scrutinize, you know, a situation, you know, what, what's going on. The concept of uh, five love languages is that, you know, uh, different people have their own ways of uh, showing, you know, how they might love someone. It's not, um, you know, always gift-based. You know, sometimes you think that if someone gives you the most expensive gift, they love you a lot. Uh, some people don't give gifts and then, um, you know, you might say, hey, this person doesn't love me. They're not giving me these gifts because that might be the way you show love or, you know, you've been exposed to, to love, say, maybe in your family or, you know, the, the unit that you're growing up. And, you know, you have to recognize what is someone's way of showing love. So if they're not giving gifts, maybe, you know, they're there for you when you need them. You know, they're helping you move or they're there when you take the phone call. You know, for some people, it's money. Hey, can you lend me 20 bucks? I'll pay you back. And there's that exchange. Again, maybe utility-based. or, But, um, you know, people have different ways of showing love. And I think that's the first thing you got to do is find out how is someone approaching this relationship? How how are they viewing it? And it doesn't have to be the way you do it. And it really it shouldn't. If it is, you know, that's great. You know, that's something you might have in common. But if it's not, that's okay too, because then you can sort of balance each other out, right? You might do it one way. This other person does it another way, and then together it sort of it completes itself. So just like with friends, um, you know, you might have a certain way of treating a friend. 
and you might expect that same treatment back. And if you don't get it back, then you think, okay, this friend is is upset or, you know, they don't want to be my friend or they're not on the same standard as me. But maybe they're doing something else that you're not noticing and, you know, maybe you're not doing and they're balancing the relationship, right? So that's important is figure out what is the the love language that the, the friend has and how are they displaying it. Now, if they don't have any, then you got to reconsider, right? But or maybe bring it up as a good friend would. And, um, but yeah, first thing is note, note for that. Uh, second thing I would personally say is uh, in terms of nurturing the relationship, once you've figured out that, okay, this is how, you know, people are showing their, their love as friends. A uh, second thing is what are you doing to grow that relationship, right? Rather than just sort of passively sitting there and letting the, the relationship try to grow itself. You know, it's, it's just like I've said with dating and marriage, dating is not marriage. When you first meet someone and you're dating you know, you're in this whole, what they call, you know, the honeymoon stage, right? Everything's fun and you're not in the, the routine of life. And, um, you know, the, the, the stigma that comes with the title of being married, so that, you know, now everything's settled down. So when you're dating, you're on your toes, you're keeping that game going, you're keeping that excitement going. But when marriage starts, you just stop and that's it. You expect now that because you're married, you've earned the title, that the title will take care of the relationship. Well, really, you know, you should actually be doing the same things when you were dating. So, you know, even when you're married, you still got to keep that game going, still keep that excitement going, you know, still never sort of, you know, take it to the end. Because when you take it to the end, then it becomes boring, right? And then things start to get stale. And that's when, you know, a lot of turbulence happens. So if you keep that sort of energy and excitement going, you know, always keep that that guessing happening, then you'll see that the relationship will, will grow and evolve from that as well. So even with friends, like you might have started being friends from, you know, spending eight hours a day working together or you met at a concert as I have met friends, you know, in my, my life. And then you expect, okay, just by going to concerts, your friendship will grow. But that, that could very well work the opposite way. It can get stale. So you always have to be actively, cautiously being aware of what the friendship sort of uh, relationship is at the moment, where it's heading and also, you know, where it's come from, right? And you have to do things that nurture it and grow it. You have to sort of not be passive, but be proactive. And, you know, there's different ways of doing that. You can Google it, but, you know, make surprises for your friends, try new different events, you know, uh, try different conversations, etc. But try to keep that friendship relationship going and guessing. Uh, third thing I might say is that um, always know what the sensitive points are with your friends, you know, uh, try to respect that. Um, if something is uh, not as sensitive for you, but it is for them, be respectful of that. You know, don't uh, push your agenda on them. Don't try to make them see your way of things. You know, you might be able to uh, debate about it intellectually, but um, you know, don't because I've seen that with with a lot of friendships is that people are insensitive on the other side, and you know, emotions are getting hurt in the background, but the friend might not say anything and. Um, you know, it just leads to uh, assumptions that are not justified, right? So always be sensitive of what the person's going through in their life as well, right? Like uh, as you go through life, there's different things that can happen and people don't always talk about that. So always, you know, reset yourself. Always go back to that first day when you met the person and you were you were cautious, you were aware, you took that step back. You never took them for granted. You were nice. You know, you sort of made way for them. You let them speak first. 
I think if you approach that with every interaction you have with your friends, it'll really be respectful and it'll grow organically and it'll evolve. And that's what you want to happen, right? It has to be respectful. The relationship has to be organic and it has to evolve. And I think if those three things happen, you know, it, it makes for a good set of friends. Uh, I remember reading this quote by, I think it was John Lee, who's a business person on social media in the UK. And he said, you know what? Friends may not be in my life, but they're always in my heart. And I thought that was beautiful. I'll say it again. So friends may not be in my life, but they're always in my heart. And we've seen this sort of, you know, when you've met friends in the early stages of your life, say maybe elementary or high school, but then once you go to college, you part ways. And when you start working, you know, you might part further ways. When you get married, you have children, you have uh, different career responsibilities, you part even further ways. Those same uh, foundational interests that you had, you know, from the early years might not be there to support your relationship because, again, you were being passive. You weren't actively resetting it every time and consciously taking it forward. So then that sort of pulls you apart and you don't get to see them as often. And then when you do get to see them, you're like, hey, maybe this person doesn't like me as much because they don't get to see me. And now, you know, maybe they're only seeing me because they want to help me move or something. But that's just not the case. Life has happened and you've gotten busy. You're still maybe thinking about each other, maybe even daily. But that, you know, that conversation may not be happening in person or that same caring, that same enjoyment that you had might not be you know, happening as well. So I'd like this quote because this person said that, look, even if you haven't seen a friend for, you know, maybe years, but they might call out of the blue or visit you out of the blue. That's OK. You can always sort of. Uh, keep going right like continue that friendship that you've built and take it onward right and sometimes you might have friends like that you might only see them once a year but again they might not be in the physical day-to-day schedule of your calendar but they'll always be in your heart and that's even more important because if they're in your heart they're part of your daily living which technically is you know inside your your calendar Um, a lot of times uh, i see ghosting happening and I'm sure, you know, like this has been happening for years. It's just uh, it's been termed ghosting. And what ghosting is, if you just look it up on the Internet, it just means a sudden uh, stop of communication between two people. Um, people do this, I guess. I mean, you know, I again, I've ghosted some people. People have ghosted me. It's not nice to be ghosted. And of course, it's not nice to ghost either. Uh, ghosting is just suddenly stopping communication. So if, you know, you and your friend are doing something and, you know, they do something that upsets you, you just suddenly stop talking to them. You stop emailing, stop phoning, texting. And that sort of abrupt halt, that is sort of your way of having the last word and, you know, reacting to the the situation that happened to you. And I've always thought that if in a immediate family unit where you're growing up, if, you know, you fight like cats and dogs with your siblings or with your parents, you're always forgiving and making up and loving you know, the next day. That's always happening. Otherwise, you know, you, you can't live coherently in a, in a single family household. And sometimes it doesn't happen, but for the most part, it does happen. We're always forgiving with our siblings and with our parents, no matter what happens, no matter how dramatic it might get. And sometimes no matter how physical it can get, we're always willing to forget and start over again. But with friends, maybe because we're not living with them, we figure we don't have to see them on a daily basis. It's easier just to sort of halt the communication and I think that if you take the, you know, the immediate family point of view and apply it to friendship, that'll be great. Because if someone does something, you don't have to suddenly, you know, push the button and ghost them. And then, you know, both sides are just living with that confusion, you know, till the end of their 
their days if they haven't patched up, especially for the person that's been ghosted. You know, as friends, you get emotionally involved. You know, you're invested in a relationship. And to have someone just suddenly push a button and slam close the door with no questioning. And that's the worst part about ghosting. It leaves you guessing, why did they do this to me? Become the victim. Did I do you know, something wrong? Obviously, they've ghosted me. But what's the real reason? And sometimes you know, if people talk uh, about it, they might get to knowing that there wasn't a real reason. It was a misunderstood thing. But ghosting, I feel, is far too fickle. It happens a lot these days. And if you really sort of treat it like an immediate family, talk to the person. Because, you know, you're friends. You're sort of like family, right, in terms of that interaction. Get to know what happened. And try not to ghost because it's a very fickle way of 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 ending things. And, you know, I mean, with friends, again, you can, you can go on and on. There's so many different ways to, you know, approach the subject. I remember in college having my little phone Rolodex. I probably had three no, 300 numbers of, of friends that I'd met through, you know, school and working and going out. And, and you know, if you think about it, 300 is a lot. And I could, you know, probably call all 300. They'd know me by name. And, of course, you know, they would know me by varying degrees. But how many of those were, you know, very few close personal friends that I really hung out with? I'd say maybe under 10. And, you know, so you know, 10 out of 300, those are the people that were centered in my life. So, you know, I think quality of friends is, is much more important than quantity as well. Like the power of one good friend can equal, you know, maybe say 10 friends. So it is some food for thought. Um, when you're out there, you know, take care of your friends, make sure they take care of you. But as always, um, take care of yourself first and everything follows suit. Talk to you soon.